Awesome. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. As she said, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, get to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, the series that we're in. So the series that we're in is Why Do We Blank? And today we're going to be talking about why do we baptize? And another really cool, as you see, baptismal. And we'll have baptism today. So really excited. We get to talk about it and actually participate in it. Um, <clears throat> but as we've gone, side note, I was at camp last week. So if my voice cracks and I get real high pitched, please try not to laugh at me too much. So, Because uh, it will happen as I was prepping this morning. I could tell my voice was a little bit gone. But um, yeah, so just so excited to be talking about baptism. I feel like baptism is one of those things that are just um, maybe a little bit underrated now in our culture for how valuable and how beautiful and amazing it is. Uh, it's a celebration that we get to have that even if we aren't uh, in the water, we are participating in it as a community. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Grant was talking about, um, uh, about communion, and he gave us some of the, the easy answers, right, uh, of why we we do communion. And, and as we look at it, some of those answers would be like, you know, we do it because Jesus did it, right? He was baptized. Or we do it because the Bible says so. Or it's in the early church, they participated in baptism. And all of those things are wonderful things, and they're good reasons. But if I'm being honest with you guys, especially after coming out of a high school camp, that we're getting in a culture that more and more is not satisfied with doing things because it's what we do, or doing things based in tradition, or just the rhythms of the church. So, so my desire this morning isn't to give uh, this, this systematic doctrine as to what baptism is and, and why we should do it, but my, my, my desire is to share the heart and the value of baptism and the part that it plays in the church all the way from the time of Jesus' baptism till now. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be talking a little bit about that heart of baptism. And one of the things uh, with that, we will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, and we'll be starting in verse 14. You have that in your little booklets, so feel free to, if you don't have your Bible, you can just look in there, and that will be great. Um, but one of the things uh, with this passage as we go through it is, as I was thinking about baptism, I was thinking about what that is, and one of the things is that in all the things we're talking about, why do we do something, uh, baptism and communion fall under this other umbrella, and they are sacraments, and that's kind of a fancy word to say that they're, they're a ritual or celebration that's unique to Christianity, that's unique to our faith. Now, just to be clear on this, uh, baptism and communion aren't something, they aren't the means by which we come to know Jesus, but they are something that we do once we follow Jesus. There's something that come from that relationship that we have with Jesus. And so that's, what, uh, that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is what is baptism and what that looks like. So if you will join me in verse, uh, starting in verse 14, I'm just going to work through this passage. Feel free to go ahead and read the whole passage right now if you want. Uh, but I'm just going to work through it a couple of verses at a, at a time. And I forgot about the wind. We're back outside. It's so nice. Um, starting in verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all those who live, 
should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for, him, for them and was raised again. So we start this passage out, and as I was reading this, and as I was thinking um, through this, I read it again and again and again, and these two verses just really struck me. And I realized that in these two verses is kind of the whole foundation for everything in our faith. I, I was reading it, and, and there was a part of me that as I was preparing, maybe because I was at camp, so I was like tired, and I'm like, I could just do this. Uh, but I was thinking about just reading these two verses like 10 times and calling it a day because they're that full of goodness. So if I could encourage you to um, maybe in the little paper, underline it, circle it, highlight it, cut it out, and take those verses throughout this week and just reread them, meditate on them, because there's so much value there. And one of the things that we're talking about with this baptism is a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was doing communion meditation, and one of the things I said that in communion, we get this opportunity to remember and proclaim and I was thinking about that in light of baptism, but one of the things that I realized is there was something missing. And the word that I feel like was missing is that we get to um, remember, we get to proclaim, but we also get to declare. And so we're going to use that as a structure as we walk through this passage. We're going to use that because this passage unpacks those things. And you'll notice if you read through the passage already that nowhere in this passage does it even say the word baptism. Because what I realized when I was looking through passages regarding it is that every time I got to one of those and I was thinking about what to say, I fell back into the do it because the Bible said so. Do it because Jesus said so. And, and I'm not saying that that's bad. And those are good things to emulate. But, but when I got to this passage, as it was supposed to be a side passage for me, I just saw the heart of God for his church. And so that's why we're using this. We started off in um, the first verse, and it says, For the love of God compels us. For Christ's love compels us. In this thing, the thing that compels us is Christ's love. And not just this feeling that God has towards us, but the actual gospel. His love represented in the death, burial, and resurrection. That is the love that compels us. And, and that moves us forward. And, and I was thinking about the gospel. And, and one of the things that we do in baptism is we remember. And the main thing we remember is what God did for us. And this last week, if you raise your hand if you've ever been to youth camp. Yourself or as a leader or anything. Yeah, lots of youth. Good. So you know that at a youth camp that there is um, this time, usually on Thursday, right? Where there's decision night. Okay, that's the big one, right? That's where the gospel is going to be presented. So that happened this camp, and, and as the, the uh, speaker was presenting on that night, he gave three options. The first option as he presented the gospel was to respond to that for the first time. The second option was maybe you followed Christ. Maybe you, you've uh, been a Christian, but hearing the gospel again just stirred something in you, and there was this commitment that you want to have to God, this refocusing of your faith. And the third one I never heard before, and I've been to a lot of camps, was if you just heard all this, but you're not ready yet. And he gave an encouragement to them. And the encouragement was this, to the group of students who, who've heard this, who've had this week, but they just aren't quite there yet. He said, can you do me a favor and not pull back, but just simply lean in a little bit. Ask a couple more questions. Be willing to hear. And, and I ask that of you guys today. 
if you've been baptized and, you know, longer than I've been alive, or if you haven't been baptized, whatever it is, I encourage you to lean in, because this is what I believe. The reason that we remember is because the gospel consistently has power in our life. It's not just when we come to know Jesus. And I realize that because we get to cheat as leaders. They all have to close their eyes and bow their head, right? That's the thing. And then they look up. He just did look, not hand raise. You just look up. But we as leaders get to look around to see, like, you know, and know and follow up and stuff like that. And so as they were lifting their eyes for the different things, at the end of that time, I got emotional, and it totally caught me off guard. Like, I'm a pastor, so I've heard the gospel before, you know? Like, this isn't new news. I've seen kids come to know Christ. But what I realized in these three groups is the gospel is meeting these students where they are. It doesn't expect them to be not just in the lean inside, but they should be accepting Jesus for the first time. It doesn't expect anything of them, but God meets them where they are. And the beautiful reality of the gospel just hit me again. And I think for all of us, especially you who have been doing this faith thing for a while, that as we baptize today, as we talk about this, that you make effort not to be passively receiving this experience, but allow yourself to remember, to proclaim, and to declare. Verse 16 says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So what this passage is saying, and, and we move on and we progress into this uh, part where we proclaim, and the proclamation that we're making is that we interact, we view people differently because we are different, and we have been made different. That we no longer view people from the outward appearance, and tangibly what this means is that, and I think in our culture in the last couple of years, this has been really, really tough. Because what it means is when you look around, even as, as surface and as simple as seeing someone's t-shirt or seeing what someone posts online or seeing um, a uniform that someone's wearing or seeing anything that you see from the surface that people present to you, what it's calling us to, what proclamation we're making is that we're in a process that when we accept Jesus, when we're baptized, it's not saying we made it and we're good to go. What it's saying is we're starting this process. And because we believe God's okay with us being in process and okay with us working through this, that when God sees us, he doesn't see the sum total of our actions and judges us on that. What this passage is calling us to is to afford that to other people. To not take the easy route of looking at something from an outward appearance and then making a judgment on that person's worth based on how it's affecting us. Because this is what the world does, right? The world tells you that, hey, all you need to know is what you see. And that's enough. That, that actually, how you function in this world, the only way to function is to react to how what other people are portraying is affecting you. And what this passage is calling us to as believers is to say, no, that's not enough. Maybe this, this thing, like I see this kid and he's wearing a t-shirt and I'm like, I don't know that band. And so we're probably not going to be friends, right? That's like the simple aspect of it. But what it's talking to is there's a person behind that t-shirt. And that person is in process. 
And that person is made in the image of God. And it's a lot easier for me to live my life saying, yep, that, that effort, that relationship isn't worth it. But instead move past that and pursue that. And it says that it makes, this passage says that uh, God makes, uh, the old is gone and the new has come. And as we baptize today, it's the most tangible representation of that. That something that was is dying. And something new is coming. And, and I want to be clear on this because sometimes we live and we function in the statement that God makes things new. And I get what people are saying when they're saying that. But it gives, it kind of makes me feel like a restoration project, right? Like I'm some messed up car that's out in the bushes somewhere, all dented and stuff, and someone like cleans me off, slaps a bunch of Bondo on me, and then gives me a new paint job and I'm good to go. Or I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, the apartments, right, where you walk in and there's so much paint on the walls that like you can't even close the cupboards because there's like an eighth of an inch of like paint. Instead of cleaning the apartment, they just painted it again with more white paint. Like, you can't even get the little light covers off because they just tear the wall up. Like, that type of thing. The problem is that when we live and we function in that way, that what happens is we're deathly afraid that someone's going to walk by that wall and they're going to chip the paint a little bit and they're going to see the dirt that's underneath and they're going to see the holes that were covered up and they're going to see the crayons on the walls. They're going to see the messiness of our life because we think that God made us new by just slapping some white paint on us. But what really happened is God makes new things. And that's what we celebrate. That's what we're proclaiming when we do baptism is that God makes new things. And when we live in that way, when we start to think about things that way, it changes us. We no longer get fearful of someone's brokenness bumping into us, right? Because when you're broken, you're jagged. We're no longer worried about someone's brokenness bumping into us and revealing our brokenness. But we're confident in what Christ has done. In verse 18, before we get there, there's, there's this tension, there's this reality that's coming up with this. As I was preparing that, that for some of you, you haven't been baptized. And, and I just wanted to put it on the table that there's reasons for that. There's reasons for it. And, and as I'm talking about baptism, maybe you're like, the reasons you just gave it. Because for one, I don't view people differently. <laughs> Two, I'm still, you know, like, you're like, I just gave you more reasons not to be baptized. But for some of you, it's just been kind of inconvenient. Let's be honest. It's Father's Day. A lot of you are probably going to go to Costco after this and get some stuff or something, right? Grocery store. Grab something for tonight. And guess what? It's really awkward to go to Costco when you're soggy. I get it. Like, it's, it's just inconvenient. Like, you don't want to do that. Or I've heard this before, that I would get baptized, but you guys always plan it when I'm on vacation. It's like, <laughs> okay. Like, you know, because it just doesn't happen. But then those things stack on top of each other, and it gets to a point where you're a couple years out, you know, because things just came up. And for some of you, maybe it's been a couple years. Maybe it's been over a decade. And now you're like, if I get baptized, like, that's going to be real awkward. These people are going to know I haven't been baptized the whole time. So maybe there's a little bit of shame or a little bit of guilt or fear. My desire, as you're hearing this, as you're sitting here this morning, if you haven't been baptized, is to lean in. That's all I'm asking you to do, lean in, because I think these next verses, this next passage that we go through, doesn't explain 
uh, the, everything that happens in baptism, but explains God's heart for his church. And, and I would like you just to consider that. Because the logistics are one thing. We can take care of logistics. But some of the other stuff in your heart, maybe the reasons that you haven't, that you might just listen into this and see what God has to say to you in this last part of this passage. Verse 18 says, All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So this last part we're talking about is we're declaring and what we're declaring is that God reconciled us to himself. What I love is it says at the very beginning, like, all this from God. All this from God. And he reconciles us to himself. So God redeemed us through the gospel, right? He, he makes us new and he reconciles us to himself. But he doesn't stop there. To me, that would be enough. I'm good. But he gives something that's so important and that's purpose. He bestows upon each of us a ministry now, this is different than in Paul where he talks about he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and all those. It's not talking about gift-specific ministry. This is a ministry that's given to every person who has followed Jesus, and that's the ministry of reconciliation. See, because what we do when we remember what God has done and remember the gospel and proclaim that we're in this process of being made new, but now we're declaring we're declaring what God has for us. And, and, and it's this mission, and it's not, a, and, it, and it's a mission of unity. The declaration of unity. And not unity in what we think or how we process or what we do or our giftings, but in unity of purpose. That we are all ministers of reconciliation. He goes on to clarify that because Jesus knew something. Jesus knew that when he came and he gave his life and he brought us into his mission, that we're going to be in a world where that's really, really hard to do. So he says, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now this word message of reconciliation, the word message actually translates from the Greek word logos. And if you've heard me, I seem to like this word a lot lately. But logos is the word that was used at the beginning of the Bible to describe how God created, right? By word, he spoke things into being. And then you fast forward into John, and, and in the very beginning of the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word word there is actually logos, and it's in reference to Jesus. So what he's saying in this process is that he's saying that um, <clears throat> when you come to know God, when, when you're given uh, this new standing before God, that also you're given this purpose. But if I'm honest with you guys, if we're headed in this direction, that's a rough road. It's a lot easier to stay where we are. It's a lot easier to go over here. If we're all headed in this direction, it's a rough road. But God said, I'm not sending you on that alone. I'm actually sending you that on that road with a tool. And the word message, the reason I looked into it is because it felt like something that you can write on a half sheet of paper, right? You have that and you go tell people and, and they're reconciled. But that's not what it is. It's actually the creative word of God. It's Jesus. That when we go on this mission, what we bring with us isn't a bunch of knowledge, but it's the one who makes new things. And that's what we get to participate in. 
That's what we get to move forward with. It goes on to make it a little bit more lofty for us if it wasn't as difficult enough as it is. And it says that we are, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And what is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who stands with the full power and authority and voice of the one they represent, right? Whether that's a country, whether that's a business, a corporation, that's what an ambassador is. And it says that we're Christ's ambassadors. But then it goes on to say something that I think is the, the most daunting part of the passage, but as, all, as well the most beautiful part. That it says that, it says, though God was making his appeal through us. If you guys think about something, just for a quick moment, if you just think about something that you really, really desire, that you really want with the depths of your heart, think about that, grasp that in your mind. And then, and then you were given an opportunity to make your case, to, to talk to someone who could execute that, to, to make that actually happen. How intentional would you be with your words? How intentional would you be with the means in which you explain that? What this passage is saying is that God's deepest desire is that he would reach the world, that he would reveal his grace, his love, his mercy to people who desperately need it. And he could do that in any way he saw fit. And in this passage, it says that what he chose to do is make his appeal through those that he reconciled, through the church, through you guys. So why do we baptize? Why, why do we do this? I just want to clarify, one of the reasons that we don't do it is because there's this cosmic obligation, right? You become a Christian and you get this like sheet with like four check boxes and it's like, read your Bible, take communion, baptize, right? Like it's not one of those. That's not why we do it. We don't just do it because we find it in scripture, because we were told to by our adults and our parents and other people, influencers in our life. Those aren't the reason. It's not just a, a stepping stool or a turning point or a leveling up in your Christianity. It's fun. Students talk like that. I've literally had a student tell me, like, I don't think I'm at the level yet to be baptized. Like, I think that's, like, level eight, and I'm, like, down at level three. So, like, literally, that was a conversation I had. Like, it was this leveling up process. That's not what baptism is. But there's a very clear reason that we baptize, and it's been central to the church. We're going to use a verse to um, the last verse to talk through what that is. But if you are, I lost my dad sticker. There we go. Um, but if you have been baptized already, if you are hearing this, you're like, this is cool, but you know, I've been baptized, been there, done that. I want to encourage you with something. I want to encourage you, any opportunity you have to witness or to be around someone being baptized, that that isn't just for the person that's getting wet. But the church was built on this because it's also mutually encouraging. Because this is what I know and I believe, no matter how much older you are than me, that when you remember, when you put the gospel in front of your eyes again, in front of your mind again, it will continue to transform you. When you proclaim that you are in process, and this is something that I, I want for you guys, 
that for some of you, you need to give yourself the grace to say you're still in process. Even if you're an elder at this church and you're like, I don't know if I'm allowed to be. No, you're in process and that's okay. Because God is working in you and through you. And this is really, really important because we're going to actually have baptism in a little bit. That when you declare the direction that God has for you, what you're doing is not only reestablishing your true north, reestablishing the, the, the mission that God has for you, but what you're doing is the person or any person in your life that you're witnessing their baptism, when they come out of the water and look around, what you're doing isn't just saying, hey, I've done what you've done. But you're saying, I'm on this journey with you. I am here with you. This is why I love that baptisms are done in a church community. Because you look around, it's a tangible representation, not of a bunch of people who think the way you think, but a bunch of people are moving in the same direction you're moving in. So with that, let's read this last verse. If you want to turn to it, you can. If not, you can just listen. This is in John uh, chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse 29, and we're going to end with this. So verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just clarification. Jesus takes away the sins of the world. Some of you, if you're thinking, you're like, wait a minute. I still experience sin. I still sin. I still experience other people's sin. What's it talking about? What this means is the Lamb of God who takes away the things that separate us from experiencing God. Obviously, we experience sin. Obviously, we still participate in sin sometimes. So what's being taken away is the boundaries, the borders, the walls, the things that separate us from experiencing the fullness of God and what he has for us. That is what Jesus is taking away. And it goes on to say, uh, this is the one I meant when I said, a man comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Why do we baptize? We baptize for the same reason that John baptized Jesus, that Christ may be revealed. We baptize that Christ may be revealed. There's no more beautiful, no more tangible, expressive example of the living God than the celebration of a baptism. And again, if, if you're experiencing this, I told you to lean in earlier. Maybe you haven't been baptized, and there's always a reason, right? My hope is, if it's logistic, like seriously, I will go to the store and buy you new pants right now. Like if that's a problem, just we will figure that out. That's easy. But if there's a part of you that never felt good enough, if there's a part of you that felt like you should have done it already and it's actually shameful that you didn't, the hope in this message is that this baptism, if you were to participate in baptism, it's even bigger than you. I don't know about you, but when I sat there in that room with all those students, like looking, peeking their head up real gently so no one really saw them, it rocked me. I had to, you know, because I'm a guy and I have pride issues, I had to like put my hat on afterwards because I was crying so much, right? And I'm like, I don't need everyone to see. Like, and it's because I realized that God's so much more than all these things 
than a kid who's still even being presented the gospel isn't willing to accept it, that God's more than that. God's so much more than the logistics of being wet. He's so much more than the years that you've spent not being baptized because you were worried about something. He's so much more than all of those things. And if you are here and you get to witness a baptism, I'm so excited for you today. Because it should bring us to tears. Because it reminds us of the beautiful thing that we have experienced. So we're going to take a time right now, and you can grab your communion stuff. I believe you should have got it when you come in. If you didn't, could you raise your hand, and we have someone walking around. Did everyone get one? No hands raised. In the back, a couple. Do we have someone handing that out? I think, yes. So we're going to go into a time of communion. But as we do that, and as we're taking these elements, this other sacrament that we participate in, if you haven't been baptized before, I would encourage you in the same way. If you're not ready, if you're like, I still have some questions, Josh, or something like that, find Melody, find Grant or I, we would love to talk through that with you. If you're worried because maybe the right people aren't here or or you know you've just known God for a long time and actually you're not in a good spot, please remove that. Remove that burden because God loves you. He knows where you are in the same way he's meeting that kid who isn't willing to accept him yet. He's meeting you and he wants you to experience something that's reserved for one who follows after him. So as we're taking communion, I would, like, I would encourage you to do exactly what I talked about before, to remember what God has done in your life, to proclaim that he has you in this process of growing you, of sanctifying you, of making a new thing and declare what he has for you. Declare it. There's future things that he wants you to experience that are so much more than you could ever imagine. Make that declaration. Jesus sat with his disciples and at the beginning of the Passover meal, he took the bread and he broke it. And when he broke it, he said, this is my body given for you. Let's take the bread. And during the meal, when the meal was coming to an end, he, he grabbed the cup. And, and he took the cup and he said, this represents my blood. It's a new covenant poured out for you. Let's take the cup together. God, we give you thanks today. Whether it's for remembering what you have already done in our life, proclaiming your presence with us, declaring the beautiful things that you have out in front of us, God. Whether it's that or whether it's even us getting to witness and participate the reality of the living God still transforming lives. We rejoice this morning knowing that none of this is made possible except through you as we just took communion, remembering the sacrifice that you made on our behalf not just so our sins will be dealt with, but so that we could experience you daily. 
Lord, we're so thankful for all that you've done. We're thankful for the people in our lives, specifically for the dads or dad figures in our life today. We're so thankful for uh, the people that you have brought into relationship with us, that we might experience you through them and that they might experience you through us. So God, I pray that you'd be with each person right now, that you would let them even anew, no matter how long they've been following you, appreciate and remember the beautiful thing that you did for us in your name.